Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Nunvav. Um, we're going to go from the second line of um, Nunvav Amorale 56a. So remember yesterday we brought a, well, the Mishnah brings a Machloket. We know that the Ksubah kicks in from a Rusin. The question is, when does the Tosefes um, kick in? Remember, <coughs> the, uh, the Tosefes is the husband showing an extra display of love, and he wants to create this connection and this affection, but he's giving it in mind that it should also affect that extra display of love. So when does that, um, when does it kick in? Is it the same time as the Tzubah, like the Tanakama? Or is it, like Rebbe Lezabin Azariah says, um, only from Nisuyin, from when they properly married. That's when he wants this uh, display of affection, or the, I guess it works both ways, the affection that's engendered by the Chupa, by the Nisuyin, and the Tosefes, two are interconnected. Uh, and then we said both Rav and Rebbe Nosson follow Umdana, which he said was an interesting concept, that we work out what did the person want? We brought various cases in our discussion yesterday, but what did the person, when they said something, what were they thinking? What did they want? They both go like that. They just calculate what the person wanted in different cases, and that's why they would come out with a different halacha. Now, um, yeah, so sorry, the fourth line was in. It says, Yosef Rav Chanina Kame Derbiana. Rabbi Chanina, they add in Rabbi Chanina Koro. Uh, his title was Rabbi Chanino Tsukim. His expertise, I guess, was being uh, the ex- he was the liner, the expert on the 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 Tanakh. Um, we know there are certain letters that are larger, there are certain letters that are smaller, there are certain words that are written whole, there are certain words that are written, you know, without the vov or etc. So he, that was his expertise. So kind of, so you'll see why um, I'm emphasizing this soon. So Yosef Rav Khanina Kara, Kaime de Rebiana before Rebbe Kaamar, and he said Aloha Kribilazaban Azaria, the Aloha is like Rebilazaban Azaria. I that the Tosefes only he the husband only becomes liable to pay for the Tosefes if they've done Nisuyin. Says Omarai Podkori Korecholabra. Says go read your Psukim outside. Are we having a halachic discussion here? You clearly have no idea about Paskin and Halacha. Go stick to your expertise of uh, psukim. Go read your psukim outside. It says, Ain aloha kribelazah ben azariah. The aloha is not like kribelazah ben azariah. It says, Omar Rav Yitzhak Baravidimi Mishum Rabbeinu. Rav Yitzhak Baravidimi said in the name of Rabbeinu. It's a discussion who Rabbeinu is, but otherwise Rav Yitzhak Baravidimi said in the name of Rabbeinu. Aloha kribelazah ben azariah. The aloha is like kribelazah ben azariah. What's interesting, Rav Yitzhak Baravidimi was an Amora, so, so uh, Rashi here says, that's uh, just an, another, I mean, historical interesting point. It says, Rav. Tosos come along and say it can't be Rav because um, because we'll see that Rav Paskins like Rebbe Lozman Azariah. Therefore it must be Rebbe. But then it says, oh, but Rebbe Yitzhak Baravdimi wasn't around then to quote Rebbe. It says, no, there were two Rebbe Yitzhak Baravdimis. And while that's an interesting answer, is you'll notice Tosas very often they resolve. We, when we, when I mean, we haven't, I haven't ever discussed it or emphasized it, but obviously we know who was the Talmud of who and who was the Rebbe of who and what era they lived in. So very often things don't seem to line out. We'll have one person quoting another person who was not around then. Either he lived 
after him or he lived before him or we'll have what seems like a Rebbe to be a student. The Rebbe's quoting his student based on the standard um, knowledge of who they are. So Tosfos very often comes along and says, no, there were two. It's just the interesting way I heard someone once say, we see Chazal, the Talmud Bavli always sees double. It's always seeing two sides of the same, co- uh, two sides of the, the coin, two, it's always a machloikas, it's always a discussion, it's always seeing double, and this is just uh, emphasized by the fact that we always see too often two rabbis with the same name, which has created a little bit of confusion. Yes? Just on this point, I mean, I'm just noticing, mm-hmm. sometimes they refer to it as Rabbi Elazar Ben Azaria, and then Rav Nachman. What yeah. is the difference? Oh. What is the distinction between them? So the difference, whenever you see in the Mishnah or the Gomorrah someone with the title Rebbe, yeah. I don't even know if that's the correct pronunciation, but that's how we have it. It's, it's, I don't think that's uh, technically. Reish Beis Yud, or just the Reish, that's Rebbe. That's someone who had smicha, that special smicha that was handed down from Moshe to Yeshua Zakanim, generation on generation. Whenever you see Rav, that's someone who was given the official title, but they didn't have that smicha. So in the Mishnah, just about all the sages of the Mishnah are Rebbe. Rebbe Yehuda Hanasi, Rebbe Meir, Rebbe Elazar Ben Azaria, Rebbe Eliezer, all those Rebbe's. The other people in, so those are all Tanoim, sages from the Mishnah, Mishnahic period, and that's because there was smicha around them. Then, um, in the times of the Gomorrah, in Eretz Yisrael, I don't remember exactly up until what century it was, but in Eretz Yisrael they had smicha. So we have Amorayim, who had the title Rebbe, but in Babel you never see that. So um, you have <coughs> Rebbe Yochanan, Reish Lokish is Rebbe Shimon ben Lokish. Um, we actually had it a few days ago. I think it was Rebbe. We have Rav Zaira and Rebbe Zaira because Rav was a Talmud Chacham in Babel and he made Aliyah. He went to Eretz Israel. I mean, he actually same left because it's the same person, but in Babel he was Rav. He went to Israel. He got proper smicha. The proper smicha is only in Eretz Israel, so he became Rebbe Zaira there. So sometimes if it's a teaching he taught or that they have a thing that he taught while he was still in Babel, it will be recorded as Rav, and if not, it will be called as Rebbe. So that's the difference between Rav and Rebbe. Did they have that smicha? I said, just about all to know him will be Rebbe, unless they have either no title or title like Rabbon. And Amorayim, if they're in Babel, they will always be Rav. If they're in Eretz Israel, they'll be... Again, that's only, it's not as far down as it goes, but the first two or three generations of Amorayim, they also have the title Rebbe. And then you get Ravin. Yeah, so Ravin, that's his name. A, I think Ravin's his name. But Yeah, but he doesn't have any title. No, before. so he doesn't have a title. So sometimes it's a contraction, like it could be Rebbe Avin. I know Ravin was from Eretz Israel, so oh. it could be Rebbe Avin, or sometimes it's his name. And the interesting one is, what's Rav's name? The famous Rav that we see quoted hundreds of times, the first generation Amora, phenomenal Tabun Chacham, what was his name? Rav. So obviously we know why he's called Rav. We have the Rosh Hashiva, the Rav, the, we have people like that. But So some say his name was Rebi Abba, and he got smicha from Rebi Yehuda Nasi in Eretz Rebi Abba. The other versions of what his name could be. Um, who else is interesting? Yeah, Abaye, Rava, was that their name or is it a nickname? But that's, uh, yeah, so that's uh, each one you can uh, look out. It's quite interesting, though. I mean, we don't ever discuss it, and in Yeshiva you hardly ever touch on it besides to try, like, work out the halach or the structure of the Gomorrah and know who's arguing with who, but, like, the history of what they were going through and who was alive, why did Smicha stop and 
the fifth century, you know, why did it stop then? And that's why the last people we find Rebbe were in the, you know, like all these interesting questions of how that uh, fits together. Okay, so he told him to go read um, outside. Um, so Rav Yitzchak, Rav Yitzchak Barav Dimi Mishum Rabbeinu Halacha Karebi Elazar Ben Azaria Omar Rav Nachman Omar Shmuel Rav Nachman said in the name of Shmuel Halacha Karebi Elazar Ben Azaria The Halacha is like Rebi Elazar Ben Azaria But Rav Nachman today Omar Ein Halacha Karebi Elazar Ben Azaria So Rav Nachman quoted Shmuel saying that Halacha is like Rebi Elazar Ben Azaria But Rav Nachman says it's not like him The Nahardians in the name of Rav Nachman said that the Halacha is like Rebbe Elazar ben Azariah. So now the Gemara points out, this is a different Rebbe Nachman. And as we know, there were a few Rebbe Nachmans. I'll come to it soon. It says, V'afal gav delayat Rav Nachman. V'omar kol dayonet d'doin k'Rebbe Elazar ben Azariah. Hachi v'hachi t'yavei. Even though Rav Nachman would curse people, saying any dayan who paskins like Rebbe Elazar ben Azariah, such and such a thing should happen to him. Afilo hachi halacha k'Rebbe Elazar ben Azariah. Nevertheless, the halacha is like Rebbe Elazar ben Azariah. And not only do we say that the halacha is like Rebbe Elazar ben Azariah theoretically and uh, ideally, we say the halacha l'maisa k'Rebbe Elazar ben Azariah, the actual halacha as it should be practiced and taught and become well known, is like Rebbe Elazar ben Azariah. Um, yeah, so just here we saw Rav Nachman seems to be say one way and then Rav Nachman seems to say another way. So the ones Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman bar Abba and the other ones Rav Nachman bar, um, what was his name, Rav Nachman bar Yaakov and Rav Nachman bar Abba. Whenever you see Rav Nachman in the Gemara, which is quite a common name, that was Rav Nachman bar Yaakov. The Rav Nachman here that we quoted that was out of line with that was Rav Nachman bar Abba. Okay, um, there's also, I mean, there's another famous Rav Nachman we see in the Talmud, but that is always Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak, that's with his name. Um, so it comes out that Allah is like Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, that when does the Tosefes, when is the husband obligated to pay the Tosefes in the case of death or divorce? After Nisuyen. We're now going to uh, hone in on that. It says, boy, Ravin. Ravin asks, as I said, that's, that's either his name or it's a... Uh, Contraction of Rebbe Avid. What happens if they went to Chupa but they didn't have beer? Is it Chibas Chupa Koine or Chibas Beer Koine? Again, is Dashi acquire the Tosefes through the endearment through the Chupa or is it through the beer itself? Again, remember the whole reason behind the Tosefes and the connection between the Tosefes and Nisuyan is the extra fondness and endearment between, and love between them. So is it the love engendered by just chuppah? You can see, you never, you see a, a, a couple seem, you see them radiant and glowing and extremely happy under the chuppah. So is that the love and endearment that affects the Tosefes? That if for whatever reason they separated or he, or he died before they could consummate the marriage, would he have to pay out the or is it specifically beer? It says, Toshma, come in here, the Tani Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef taught the price, it's written to her because of the dearness of Laila Harishon, the first night. Now we're going to focus on these things. What does Laila imply and what does Harishon imply? So let's see, it says, Iomar, Laila Harishon, It makes a lot of sense if you say it's the chupa that acquires it. That's why it says the first, the first knot. If you want to say that it means beer, well, do they only have beer on the first? Is 
Do all couples only be on the first night? No, some couples push it off a night or two or a few. So saying the first night must be referring to chuppah because beer is not necessarily on the first night. He says, oh, but that does, still doesn't work. says, you telling me you can only have a chuppah at night because belayla, we know chuppahs, I mean, we always have, just about always have chuppahs during the day. It says, says, oh, well, Again, so you want to tell me that not can't be referring to chuppah, must be referring to beer because chuppah can also be during the day. Well, even beer is not limited to the night. Now, we know that there's halacha that beer has to be done in the dark. So he says, no, my rava, rava taught. In response, to, this is rava in response to that din that uh, you shouldn't have beer in the day. He says, im if it's a dark house, it's mutar to have beer in the day. So we're back to where we started. Rishon is more mashma the chuppah because the beer doesn't necessarily have to be on the first night that they married. And Laila is... Um, yeah, Laila, uh, Laila is not saying really either way. He says, oh, No, but the normal way is for beer to be at night. So that's why it says Laila Harishon. But then... Chupa is difficult. No, chupa nami lo kasha kivei de stam chupa labia kaime orach ara kamash melan de belayla. Says no. Since normally chupa is for beer, the normal way to refer to it is chupa at night. Kamash melan. Therefore, it comes to teach us de belayla. I at night. So again, we're standing with our assumption that de belayla rishoyda means the chupa night. Not the bianat, the chupanat, and it would be chupa that's koine that makes the husband obligated in the birishoina. And there's a very interesting discussion in general. Should, can, when should the chupa be? Should it be in the day? Should it be at night? Someone bring from Al Gomorrah that it ideally should be at night. We don't practice. I mean, when last did you go to a chupa that was at night? Um, some are particular to actually not have it by moshos. I between sunset and dark because then how do you date the ksuva? The ksuva? But I think that uh, that doesn't uh, bother me so much. Maybe I'm not sensitive, but because it doesn't really matter if you did date the document one day early or one day later if that's what they agree on. One day early could be a little bit more problematic, so date it one day later. Sounds, doesn't. Like, a huh? Sounds like a death where you've got to know exactly when it happened. Yeah, and, uh, and the main pr- thing is the land that's would get bonded what's uh, to the proper to the ksuba. Um, so if he if she agrees to have a date at one day later, then it won't affect her. Then it then okay. So her bond only kicks in one day later. But it, if she's okay with that, it shouldn't be a problem. So okay. But either way, so that's one thing. And there are those who seem to say from Alkamora it should be at night. So I'm saying um, there's another there's a practice <coughs> to say we often and if you know the minak in South Africa, I would say I mean in Johannesburg at least. Is largely largely to have chuppas outside, and one of the reasons is that there's a siman bracha to have it, the chuppa under the stars, like uh, like Hashem blessed Abraham that you should be uh, multiply like the stars, you'd be as numerous as the stars. So we want that bracha to have the chuppa outside under the stars. Interesting enough, then maybe we should have it at night, but uh, if that's the, one of the reasons to have it outside, and if that is the reason to have it outside, but that would be um, yeah, an interesting discussion. Um, I think midin we don't see anywhere that the chuppah has to be at night, and from our minag we see uh, 
Not like that. Okay, boy, you can go into the halachas. Okay, boy, Ravashi. Ravashi says, What's that halacha if she became a nida? Or they did chupa after she became a nida? Now, this is focusing on that. We've already said that the chupa engenders the endearment that affects the tosefet, that acquires the tosefet chupa. There's now, if you say that it's the chibas chupa that acquires the tosefet, chupa the chazilabia, is it only a chupa that is fit for bia? Well, chupa the loy chazilabia law? But a chupa that is not chazilabia would not. Well, a deal maloshna, maybe it makes no difference. Maybe it's just the chupa. Take her and they leave it unresolved. Um, just the Rosh's way is easy again. You have a girl who became a nida. Uh, even if they're performing chupa, so they are going to be married, but this chupa is not going to need to be. They're going to have to wait a few days, etc. So it's a whole, uh, a whole, uh, a whole story. But is it specifically? Remember, we've mentioned this in the past. Chupa is uh, what's it? One step in the do- one step through the door to beer. That's that's the uh, the I don't know the pr- the primary aspect. That's a key aspect of the chupa is that it's the gateway to beer. So if it's a chupa that can't be a gateway to beer, does it engender the same affection that we've been discussing? Um, and it leaves it unresolved. Now there's a fascinating machlokas that this is touched um, that touches on this. Well, firstly, the um, the Rosh, as I explained it, is where she became a Nida and then she went to Chupa. Rashi says it's where she went to Chupa and then became a Nida. The Rosh says, well, as soon as they enter the Chupa, as soon as they enter the Chupa together, then the Tosefet should take effect. And even if a few minutes, a few, uh, ten, uh, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever it is later, she becomes a Nida, the Tosefet was already acquired. So that's why the Rosh isn't happy with Rashi's way of learning. Not going to go into how they answer for Rashi. But therefore the Rosh, the Rosh learned she became a Nida. And then they went to Chupa. And now the question is, does that Chupa have this affection associated with it? That would be Koine the... The... Koine uh, the... Tosefes. That's how the Rosh learns that it's only to do with the discussion here is Tosefes. But for all other halachas, the Chupa works. A chuppah where the woman is a nida, I, that can't lead to beer, is still a good chuppah. The Rambam comes along and says, when we're discussing here, we're not limiting it to the discussion of, uh, of the tosefet, the additional mount in the tuba. It's referring to the chuppah itself. Does a chuppah which can't lead to beer count as a chuppah? And the Rambam says, well, it leaves it as a taiku, unresolved, therefore we have to go strict and say it doesn't. And therefore, according, it comes out amazingly according, and this is, I mean, this is how the Rambam Paskins. The Rosh argues on him, he has all his reasons and the discussion. But the Rambam learns that if you have a chuppah that cannot lead to beer, it's not a valid chuppah. But you said in the page before, it doesn't have to be on the first night, it could be after. Oh, but, but the chuppah's the chuppah is the gateway to that beer, even if it's a few days later. Yeah. The chuppah is the gateway. If she's a nidra, then the chuppah is not a gateway. That, that's what I'm saying. The chupa, um, theoretically, they can go from chupa straight home, yeah. but if she's a nida, they can't. So that's why the Rambam says it's not a good, uh, it's not a good chupa. For all the halachas that chupa has a ramification, it would not count as a chupa. Um, fascinating shit, uh, um, which can create, and it does chupas uh, nida, chupa where the bride. They, you always try and make it that she's not a nida. Sometimes they try and schedule it specifically, or they. 
use uh, nowadays they use contraceptives to adjust the dates. Um, pardon? I'm thinking you get an invitation to save the date six months time. Yeah. How do you know what's going to happen in six months time? Yeah. So I mean, I think they most women are fairly thing but yeah but yeah that's 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 part of the complication of setting the date of your wedding how do you do it so long in advance stress, how do you do it etc stress then that's one of the big things they bring uh, just uh, the excitement of the wedding can uh, turn it into a nida we we saw that on know but we've seen that before so yeah so, so it is a big thing to set the date of the wedding um, but we really try hard to make sure that it's not a chupas nida once in a while where it is a chupas nida you also you you run into well firstly a rampa must not a and we pass in a chupa. Um, that's why you do get a chupa's nida. But it creates all other issues because the husband and the wife, the new husband and wife, are not allowed to be alone together if she's a nida if they've never been together. Generally, once a husband and a wife has been intimate, then if she at subsequent, she most likely will become a nida, it's fine for them to be alone together. But if they've never been together, they're not allowed to be alone together. So what do you do? They each go back home. They go to the wedding. So they rock up in a nice fancy car together, and then they each get their own lift home. That's, uh, that creates, uh, or uh, you know, or they have to get someone to move in with them for the next few days, or whatever. So it creates a lot of uh, difficulties. But that's, uh, as I said, it's a fascinating discussion. Does it work? One of the reasons the Rosh is not happy is why is this question only coming up now? Of is the chuppah a good chuppah if she can't? We've mentioned chuppah and suba and and the chuppah being the gateway to be countless times in this Masechta. And Yavam is probably another countless time. Why all of a sudden is Ravashi asking, is a chuppah's nida a chuppah which can't lead to be a, a valid chuppah or not? That's why the Rosh says it makes more sense to say it's a limited question to just the Tosefes, because that's what we're discussing here. So that's one of the questions on the Rambam. But either way, that's the Rambam's approach. Let's carry on. Rabbi Yehuda, I'm Rabbi Yehuda, says, Rabbi Yehuda says, if he wants, the Tanakhama held you can't adjust the amount of the ksuba. Rebuter came along and said if he wants, he can write 200 for the basula, and she can write a receipt for him of, of any amount of 100, so therefore he would only owe 100, or uh, for the Almona 100, and then she writes a receipt for 50, etc. So, but Sava Rebbe Yehuda, the Kaisin Shavit, does Rebbe Yehuda really hold you can, that there's a concept that you allow someone to write a receipt? There's Vahot, and then we learned in the Mishnah, Misha Paramitzas Choivo, Rebbe Yehuda, I may Yachlif. Someone who pays back part of his debt, Rebbe Yehuda says, Yachlif, you have to exchange the star, you tear it up and you write a new one. Rebbe Yehuda, I may Kaisin Vashavi, Rebbe Yehuda says, write a receipt for him. Again, when the, again in, in the Torah law, the, the shtar chov, the document of the loan, is always used to collect the loan. So as long as, no matter how much he's paid back, this guy can always use this document to collect the full amount. So do you make him write a receipt? Now, there are two weaknesses um, that are discussed in the receipt. The one is... Um, um, the cons you're now replacing a burden on the borrower. The borrower has to be very careful with the receipt because if the borrower loses this receipt, what's going to happen if the borrower loses this receipt? The creditor is going to be able to collect the full amount. And in those days, they didn't have as reliable and as good uh, filing systems so, uh, and digital backups. So there was a big concern of mice, etc., eating it. Good morning, good morning. 
Um, so, that, so that's the concern of making the loyver keep a receipt. And therefore Rabbi Yudah says, you write a new star. Rabbi Yossi says, no, make him write a receipt. And you know what? Um, Tosos, uh, it's a machlokas here. How can Rabbi Yossi say you make him write a receipt? So Rashi says, because... So where was it? Um, says, because if you make him write a new document... He loses his bond because remember you get bond you bonded to the land even if it's subsequently sold but from the date of the document if they're writing a new document you lose all that time that you've had a bond on his land and therefore you don't make him write it you give him a receipt to also say we reject that answer because obviously in this scenario you could backdate the star if someone owes you whatever one million rand and they pay back five hundred thousand and you're going to rewrite the star that he only owes you five hundred thousand you're obviously going to backdate that that the bond applies from the original loan so tosses therefore say that it, the, the reason Rabbi Yossi says in this case you make him write a receipt is to put that pressure on the debtor the debtor's worried he's going to lose the receipt so pay it up quicker so that you can tear up the the loan document so that's a okay but either way what back to our point Rabbi Yehuda in our case said you make him write a receipt. We've just showed Rabbi Yehuda holds we don't make them write a receipt. You rather write a new document. So Omar Rabbi Yirmiya Keshesh says no. Here the case is where you write the receipt on the ksuba. Aye, so it's not extra documentation or anything like that. Rabbi says no. You can even say it's where you give her a separate. You give him a separate, a separate receipt. He says, and we're not worried. He says, says over there by the loan where he actually paid him up. There we're concerned if he loses the receipt the creditor might be able to come and collect a second time. So that's why by a loan, but that's because he's actually paid. It says, Has he actually paid him? They've just said it. If he guards it and looks after the receipt, well then he gains. If not, he's uh, shooting himself in the foot. So again, so in the general case of a loan where he's actually paid back half the loan, there we want to, we, Rabbi Yudah says, be sensitive, don't make him write the receipt, because if he loses the receipt, he'll end up having to pay twice. Comes along, um, comes along, but by the ksuba, here, did he actually pay her any amount? No, it's just, he wrote in the ksuba that he owes her 200, like the standard ksuba, and she says, she says, here's a receipt for 100, I'm waiving half of it. Now there, he's not, it's, there it's his gain if he looks after the receipt, and it's his loss. No one's actually paying money that they didn't deserve. So that's why he doesn't have, Rabbi Huda would not have a problem with writing the receipt in this scenario. It makes sense why Abai doesn't know like Rabbi Yirmiya, because we don't want the, the, uh, because it doesn't say any way that he writes the Rabbi Yudah didn't say he says give her a receipt he doesn't say write the receipt in the Ksuba why does Rabbi Yirmiya not learn like a buyer he says because Rabbi Yirmiya says if we're going to write a receipt in this case we might write a receipt in regular loan documents which we don't want to do so therefore we make as a general rule that we don't write a receipt ok now the Gamora is going to focus on this point that he has to write the receipt 
why can't she just say, I waive 100? Why, does, why are we emphasizing she has to write the receipt? So the Gomorrah, time of the Kosvale, Avalal Per law. This, it seems specifically because she writes the receipt, but if she would just orally say, I waive the 100, it's invalid. Amai, why is it invalid? And this is built on another sugya. Are you allowed to make a condition of what's written in the, ksub, on, in the Torah? I, when the Torah comes along and says you have to make a ksuba of 200, are you, are you and, the, and your wife allowed to make an agreement, a condition against the Torah and say, no, let's agree to do it 100? It's must now, Mashiach, Torah. Are you allowed to make an agreement on what's written in the Torah? Tell you now that we've discussed, but very relevant. The Torah comes along and says how the Seder Yerusha should be. The sons inherit their sons, you know, the Seder Yerusha. Are you allowed to make a condition and say, well, I would rather so and so inherit? I'll give you another practical example. According to Torah law, the working day for day workers starts at sunrise and ends at sunset. So. Nowadays, are you allowed to make a deal and assume and say that okay, your working day starts at 8 and ends at 5? So, well, I mean, obviously you've got to distinguish between the cases. Um, um, you, a woman can't say, okay, um, can a woman say, I'll get married to you on condition I can have two husbands? You know, obviously, so obviously some are more jarring and clearly also. But the general rule, as we can see, is obviously if it's a monetary case, we can make an agreement. It's our money. The Torah has set guidelines for when there's no contract, for when there's nothing specified. But if it's our money, we can make an agreement. You're right, workers generally have to work the whole day. But I can agree, I'll pay you the full amount for a half day's work. Why can't we do it the other way around? What do you mean? In other words, it's still got to be within the ambit of the law. You can't be ultra-virus, you can't go beyond the law. Um, so you, you, can't say, you can say to a worker, you can work for half a day, I'll pay you for a full day. But you can't do it in the opposite. Oh, you say, can you work full day for half day wages? Exactly. exactly. Uh, I, I haven't seen that you can't do that. I mean, nowadays you'll get in trouble with the union and there are minimum wages and stuff. That's illegal. But I'm saying from a Torah perspective, Surely it's, it's fair. You're saying it's abuse of, it's abuse. Absolutely. Um, okay, we can discuss. I, I'm not sure offhand, but that, that is an important point to keep in mind. Um, again, they say Yerusha would not necessarily be a monetary law, but Isuvaheter. It would be the same as trying to make a condition on a Kiddushin. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see to do with Kiddushin coming up. But that's the. So generally, we would hold you not allowed to make a Tanai, a clause on something that the Torah says must be a specific way. However, in a monetary case, you can make a clause. So why can't this woman say, I'm happy for the ksuba to be 100? It's a condition on a monetary clause that the Torah specifies, which should be fine. Why does it have to be written in? I, as he's paying the 200, he owes the 200. They have a proper Doraisa ksuba. And then she writes a receipt. Oh, you've paid back. Again, that's the advantage of writing the receipt is you show that you did it as the Torah said, and now she's pay, saying paid back. But orally, it's kind of just making a condition. So, but why not? He says, Domosh of a mammon who had something that's monetary. And we know according to Rebuta, if someone makes a monetary deal, the condition stands. The Tanya, as we learned in Abraisa. If a man says to his wife, 
If a man says, we know that if a man, when a man marries a woman, the Torah places the obligation of her food, her clothing, and her conjugal rights. What happens if he says to her, I'll marry you on condition, I don't have to provide you with those. So Rabbi Meir says, they married, and you ignore the condition. A condition does not stand in the face of Torah law. In regards to the monetary aspects, the condition is valid. If a man, so, so two out of three of his conditions would work. He says, I'll marry you on condition. I don't have to provide you with food, clothing, and conjugal rights. He doesn't have to provide her with food and clothing because that's a monetary matter. But he would have to provide her with conjugal rights. But what do we see? Tanai Kayom. So course of us, but again, Rabbi Yehuda holds that you can make a condition. So why by the Ksuba does she have to write it? Why can't she just say? So course of Rabbi Yehuda, Ksuba de Rabon, and Vachachom, he wants to chizuk lidivrei, and Yosem Yishel Torah. He says, no, Rabbi Yehuda holds this, that you have to pay Ksuba, he's only midra Rabonin. And the rabbis are actually stricter, stricter with the Rabonin as, with the Rabonin. Are you right? Generally, if it's a monetary matter, you can waive it with a condition. But the Ksubas only midrabonan and therefore they went stri- stricter than the Torah because they want to strengthen people often are careless with Rabbonin, so they strengthen it and they say you can't make a tnai on a monetary matter. So now the Gomorrah is going to challenge this idea that you can't make a tnai on a monetary matter. It says, says, but what about the payros? I list that the husband gets a right to the produce of his wife's land. We know when a wife brings in land to the marriage, the husband has a right to the rental income and the produce that's um, made for them. And the chachomim do not strengthen it there. I, they do not say that he can't make a, that they can't make a condition. The tanan, as we learned in the Mishnah, he even eats the produce of the produce. Unless he writes for her that I have no claim on your payros or even the payros of the payros. Ah, if let's say the rent's doing so well or the field's going so well and they're making such a big harvest that they buy more land. That's the payros of the payros. But again, he has, he has a full claim to that under the Dindra bonnet. However, if he writes to her that he has no claim in it, then he does another claim. The Kaimalon, and we establish my Koisev, Omar Abaya. My Koisev, Omar. What is Koisev? Omar. Sorry. Yeah. What writing means? Saying. I.e., the Gomorrah. The Gomorrah. So. So it's just making this condition. Again, it's not writing it, because it does it said right, but it means say. It's just saying the condition and the condition stands. But didn't we just say in a rabbinic matter, you're not allowed to make a condition. You're not allowed to um, make a condition that breaks it. You're not allowed to say to the wife, you can keep the, you shouldn't be allowed to say to the wife, don't worry, you can keep the payrolls. Says Omar Abayah says lechol yesh ksuva v'lol lechol yesh peiros milsa de shicha of the rabbanon chizuk milsa de lo shicha lo of the bar rabbanon chizuk. Says now Abayah says now everyone has a ksuva. That's a set takana by marriage, and that's common. And therefore they wanted to strengthen that takana by saying that you can't make a condition on it. Whereas this peiros, not all women get nisay have nisay meluk that the husband's going to be eating the peiros. They didn't bother strengthening that takana. 
Now we're going to ask another question. He says, Harecha Morim, what about the donkey drivers? Now the scenario here is you have donkey drivers. They're, they're the, the traders who bring in, they go to the farmers, they buy the produce, and then they bring it into the cities to sell. Um, it's the equivalent, I think, of the guys that you sell to, Benji. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they, or you might, have, yeah. Um, but uh, the uh, so, so, so they go get the grain, and then they come to the city and they yeah. sell it there. So now, there's always the concern of mentioned with produce of demai. How was it bought from Amoritz, and has the grain been sold? Now, generally, we wouldn't trust one an Amoritz to tell you that master has been taken, because obviously, we, we don't trust him that he's separated. Yeah. We're not going to trust him if he says it's been separated. So they're very common, standard way that uh, markets and businesses run. The rabbis didn't strengthen the words. As we learned in the Mishnah, if you have two donkey drivers that enter the city, if the one donkey driver says, mine is new grain and his is old grain, right? she says it's better quality, it's dried out properly, and my friends is or and he says my friends is better quality and man's not or has the master separated it but man is not matukan it hasn't had all the trumas and masters separated from Rabbi Yehuda Yehuda says we believe him what do you mean we believe him demise the dinder and all of a sudden we're going to allow this leniency <coughs> in the dinder shouldn't they strengthen it and say because it's a concern of demise it's also to go lenient. Mm-hmm. Again, the, the concern here is, it's, it works out well. Me and you go into town together. I tell everyone, you know, I'm an honest trader. His produce is much better than mine. It's better. Get from him. You know, in the next town, we'll do it the other way around. Yeah. But, but to my reviewer says you can go lenient and assume that he's telling the truth, that it's been, uh, that master has been separated, etc. So, so, but again, we should be going stricter and not believe the Amor et Banamah. So Omar Abai Abai says, Vadai the Divram of the Rabbana Chizuk, the Sofai Divramla of the Rabbana Chizuk. He says, No, it depends on the type of Takona. If it's a Takona based on a Vadai, I like the Ksuba, you have to pay Ksuba, there they strengthen it. But where it's only based on a doubt, I, the whole thing of Demai is, Was Master separated? Out of doubt, we're going to go strict and say no. So there they're not going to bother strengthening it. Because, again, it's all founded on a doubt anyway. Rava says, no, Rava says they went more lenient with Demai. Again, no, he says, Rava says it doesn't make a difference what the Takon is based on. Generally, you're right, the rabbis would strengthen their Takona. But Demai is extra lenient. Demai is the exception. That you can go lenient and you can believe him in this case. That's Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, but either way, we've just analyzed, that's Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. Again, by the Ksuba. Let, let's tie, just go back to the Ksuba. Rabbi Yehuda holds the Ksuba's Durabonin. And you're right, generally in monetary matters, you don't have to follow the exact letter of the law. You can make conditions. Like we said, a man can say to his wife, I'll marry you on condition I don't have to provide your food and clothing. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, that's valid. You can make a condition. However, by dinay, things that are only Durabonin, he strengthens it. And there you can't make a condition. And that's why Rebuda says she has to produce a receipt. The ksuba has to be given over in full, the full 200, 
and then she can uh, I'm going to put wave in inverted it's whether you uh, wave or uh, or pay say half of it's been paid but that's what you need to get past that that the ksuba was given over in full and that's why it all has to be done in writing okay Rebbe Meir then said anytime you have a ksuba that is less than 200 or 100 it's bilaznus. now the Gemara is going to focus on interesting languages any times he tries to lessen it doesn't say anytime the ksuba is 100 or is 50 or is less it just says anytime he lessens what does that imply that implies that's what the Gemara is going to basically bring out that implies that he's trying to make it go less than the 200 but he hasn't succeeded even in those cases it's it's a it's a promiscuous uh, relationship between the the, the relations are promiscuous. It's, a, it's, it's as if they're not married in a way. It says, now why is that? But no. Kolapachos implies even if it is with a condition. Now, yeah. So even if he tried to lessen it and the condition doesn't stand, because Rabbi Meir would hold the condition doesn't stand, still the husband. The beer is considered bilaznus. Says Alma cost over tanai bottle. We see that Rebbe Meir holds the tanai is cancelled. Okay, you can't make a condition against monetary matters. The isle, and therefore she has her full ksuba. Of a given to Amala leis lecho elomane loy somchadate. Since he told her I'm only giving you one hundred, she doesn't rely. She's not. Convinced that you'll get the money, and therefore the beer is a beila znus. Um, just to rephrase that, um, again, when we say if someone tries to make a deal, master master cost of the Torah something a clause that is not in line with the Torah, what do we say? The deal goes through, but the clause is cancelled. So here, what the husband said to his wife, I'll write you his besula wife, I'll write you ksuba, but I'm only writing you for one hundred. There, it all stands, except the condition of for 100 is voided, so her ksuba is actually 200. Uh, he tried to lessen it, but he didn't manage. We still ask, so then why is it called the be'ilas nus? Why is it promiscuous? She has a normal ksuba. The answer is because she doesn't know that. She thinks that, uh, she thinks that her ksuba is deficient. Now, I think, if I, I wasn't too sure... But uh, I checked article and this is how I understood it. So still, why is it Bilas Nus? Just because she thinks she's getting less of a ksuba, why is it Bilas Nus? So I think the explanation is because, remember, one of the main reasons behind the ksuba is to make it difficult for the husband to divorce her. And so that there's, so again, so that he doesn't have a one-night stand. He can marry a woman, uh, pay her a few, uh, few hundred rand and uh, marry the next person. Divorce her and marry the next person. Ah, and he'll do it again and again which is very promiscuous. So therefore, if she's not convinced of the value of her ksuba, she has, in the back of her mind, there's always this uh, temporariness to their, to their marriage. Because he could, at any moment, just pay a few hundred rand and divorce her. So that's why it's promiscuous. Security. So almost the security in the long-term relationship is what creates the... Kedusha makes it not promiscuous. As soon as she has no security, 
from that perspective, it's a one-night stand, and therefore she, it would be considered uh, promiscuous. I think that's Pshat in Rebbe Meir. Now we're going to go on a price, which brings in another opinion. Tanya Rebbe Meir. Oh, sorry, wait, I left out a point. Um, yeah. But we know that Rabbi Meir holds that any that if someone's masne makes a condition, a clause on what's written in the Torah, the condition is cancelled. But if it's on a drabonon, the condition is enforced. So by the ksuba, the ksuba, as we just learned up above, is only midrabonon. And therefore, the condition should be effective. Why do we say Rabbi Meir can't, according to Rabbi Meir, the Ksub is not lessened? It should be lessened. This is not a cause of Rabbi Meir, Ksubah Doraisa. Rabbi Meir holds that the Ksub is Doraisa. This actually we touched on a little bit in the beginning of the Masech. Well, I don't remember actually discussing it, but it comes out throughout the Masech that it's an important point. What's the status of this 200? Is it Doraisa? Is it Rabbonin? According to Rabbi Yehuda, it's actually Midrabbonin, and therefore he has this stringency that you can't just put a condition on it. Rabbi Meir holds this Doraisa. And therefore, if you try to put a condition on it, the condition falls away. The ksuba stands, but the condition falls away. But that's because Rabbi Meir holds the ksuba is Doraisa. Okay, Tona Rabbi Meir, Oime, Kol HaPoiches Lebzulim Imosayim, Ba'amona Mimona, Harezu Belaznus. Rabbi Meir says, anytime you lessen a basula from her 200 or a mona from her 100, it's a be'ilasnus. As we just explained. Rabbi Yosei Oime, Rishai. Rabbi Yosei says, Nay, they're allowed to make this condition. And Rabbi Yehuda, I may rotsa koisev le basula shtar shel mosayim, vihi koiseves lo iskabalti mimcho mano ul almona mone. Vihi, Rabbi Yosi says, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yehuda says, if he wants to diminish the ksuba from 200 to 100, he writes a receipt. Or for the almona mone, vihi koiseves lo iskabalti mimcho chamishim zuz, she can write a receipt for 50 zuz. Now Rashi learns that Rabbi Yosi agrees with Rabbi Yehuda. I don't know, I, don't, I mean, I thought of another way to learn, so I'm not sure why Rashi doesn't, but Rashi learns that Rabbi Yossi holds like Rabbi Yehuda, <coughs> that you can waive the ksuba. It's only midrabonon, therefore you can waive it. Just remember, Rabbi Yehuda learned they made a strength in their words, therefore you have to write the receipt, so it's as if he's given the ksuba of 200, but you can waive it. Whereas Rabbi Yossi holds, no, it's only midrabonon, and therefore you can put it, and it's only a monetary matter, so you can put a condition on it, and it's waived. Um, that, that, yeah, that's how I understood. But says, but some Rabbi Yosi Rashi, does Rabbi Yosi really hold you just allowed to waive the ksuba? Are you just allowed to diminish the value of the ksuba? The husband can say to his wife, I'll write your ksuba on condition that it's uh, only 100 instead of 200, only 50 instead of whatever the amount is. It says, very mean, I'll show you a contradiction. It says, You're not allowed to make the ksuba of a woman movables. I set aside movables as what she collects her ksuba from because of tikkun oilam. This is a little bit what we discussed yesterday because what happens? They might get lost or lose value. And then she'll have no ksuba. So it's no... Having a ksuba in metaltalin mm. is no security for her. And then you run into the problems we said higher up on the page. So Omar Rebiyosi says, now he seems to be saying the same thing. He says, tikkun oilam What tikkun oilam is there if you have the ksuba with they have no set value. Their price fluctuates, or if anything, it decreases in value over time due to inflation or other, or just because of how metal, um, most items decrease over time. And they go down in value, so there's no security for her. So the Gomorrah just asked, wait, Tanakama Nami 
Ein Oisin Kama. The Tanakama also said you can't do this. I, we have the Tanakama who says you can't make a Ketsubi Metaltalin because there's no Tikkun Olam. Rabbi Yosi comes along and he says, what Tikkun Olam? Are you not helping the woman at all if you make the Ketsubi out of Metaltalin? Because they decrease in value. Seems like the Rebbe Yossi is saying the exact same thing as the Tanakhama. They're both saying, you can't make Ketsuba Matatlin. So now, Elalav Hachi Ka'omar. This is what they're saying. It's where he did not accept responsibility to replace them. The Tanakhama holds that if he accepts upon himself a responsibility to replace them, then you can make the Ketsuba of Matatlin. But ask Rebbe Yossi Lemaimar. And Rebbe Yossi says, no, keep Kibbal Olav Achrayas, am I Oisin, v'halo en Ketsuvin Upsuchim. How does that help anything? Don't they decrease um, and lose value? I, again, so they both hold you right. You can't make the Ketsuba out of Matatlin. But the rabbis, the rabbis concern is that they'll get lost. Or used up or something like that. Therefore the rabbis hold, if the husband guarantees to replace them if anything happens to them, then it's a good ksuba. Rabbi Yossi says, no, his concern is the decrease in value, which doesn't make. If, as, if he's prepared to replace, you buy, the woman has what, what, an iPhone from when she got married, which is now worth next to nothing because it's many years later. It doesn't help that the husband replaces it. It's still lost its value. But now we're going back to our question. What was our question? We said that Rabbi Yossi holds the man's allowed to, the woman's allowed to just wave part of her ksuba. A husband can say, I'll marry on condition, our ksuba's 25. And now we've just shown that Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi's concerned that the ksuba has to be effective. It has to have tikkun oilam, this aspect of protecting her from just being divorced. That's otherwise, if Rabbi Yossi is scared of the metaltalin losing value, he's definitely going to be scared, or scared is the wrong word, concerned about the actual ksuba being of less value. <coughs> That's probably the best, the better way to phrase it. So the Gemara says, "Now hashto ma'azam to deal mepoxi chayish Rabbi Yossi." Yeah, the Gemara explains this question. Hashto ma'azam to deal mepoxi chayish Rabbi Yossi. If Rabbi Yossi is concerned when the value will will decrease, here. Where he is lessening it. He says, I'll only marry on condition of a ksuba of 25. He is lessening. Look, Kosher, and how much more so should Rabbi Yossi should not allow it? So we have a contradiction in what Rabbi Yossi is saying. In the one Bryce, he seems to say, You can say, Let's have a ksuba of 25, and if she accepts it's okay. In the Bryce, he says, I'm not even okay with a ksuba that the value could decrease. So, here she knows what she's getting herself into and she still waves it. I, when the husband says, I'll marry you with a ksuba of 25, she knows exactly what she's got herself into. But where he says, I'll marry you with the ksuba being the phone and the car and stuff, she's not thinking, oh wait, but over the next few years they're going to go down in value. And that's where it's a problem, where she doesn't know what she's what the value of the ksuba is and that it's going down. But where she knows and she accepts, well, that's okay, according to Rabbi Yossi. Ken, we'll leave it there for today. Uh.